What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Hawks are going to the Eastern Conference semifinals Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. Good to be back with you. The boys are back. The boys are back in town. The boys are back. Uh, how's it feel to be doing your first podcast as a married man? <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, feels feels great, Adam. Feels great. I feel, uh, as Apollo Creed would say, I feel bone again. I, I don't know if you've gotten it yet, but one of the worst questions in the world is, so, how's married life? No. Oh, my God. Someone's going to say it to you? Like, seriously? No one said it to me seriously. Well, wait till you get out there, Graham. It's going to happen, and it's the worst thing in the world. So you got that for a, a solid year going. Good. That's fine. I'll just give the same stock answer. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> was it worth it? No, not at all. No, um, it was the best weekend of my life. I loved every second of it. Um, such adoration being shown to me and my now wife was uh, just so humbling and wonderful. And you were a huge part of that. So thank you for being such an amazing friend and best man over all these years well best man last weekend you know what i mean jesus sure. christ it was uh you did yeoman's work out there yeah it was a uh, you know i punched the clock yeah a little work involved being a best man but fortunately got got a good um did some marketing for atlanta's own and the best man's that was hilarious yeah which had to happen <laughs> uh i got a call from hugo actually over the weekend and he said how was adam's best man's speech did he had any true to atlanta moments and i said no it's like he's from boston or something he was just knocked it out just just blacked out and started talking yeah or like trey young against the knicks right right i embraced the adversity just like trey young so we got a lot to talk about this yes, week, we do. Graham. Uh, after, especially after missing a week, there's like just major things going on and national news stories for all of the three teams we talk about regularly. Yeah, crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. How far have we come from our Atlanta Thrashers episode, which was about last year at this time, where we we're just struggling for content, and now we got we got three huge things to talk about, and yet we're here still just rabbling about, uh, you know personal shit right that no one wants to hear probably so this is a podcast about strictly atlanta professional sports let's go atlanta hawks time yes let's start with the positive yeah let's start with the what positive. do you got graham so the hawks defeated the knicks in very decisive fashion four games to one in the first round of the eastern conference playoffs the series ended on june 2nd i believe and outside of the first game the first two games the Hawks were in total control in this series. And even you can say game two, they're in total control. But there's a lot of people were saying there's some mismanagement in terms of Coach McMillan's rotations. We can get into that later. But it was very clear that the Hawks were the superior team in the last three games. Like it was just, there was like just night and day difference between where the Knicks were at and where the Hawks were at. And all this depth that I was so concerned about with like Taj Gibson and Alec Burks. Alex Burks did go off in the second game, so I'll give him that. But Randall sucked. And we all, we said that. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we were previewing this series, Randall, the Knicks will go as far as Randall will take them, and he was just pathetic. He had seven turnovers by the third quarter last night. Yeah, we had a good defensive strategy against him, but the guy did the same thing every time. He was hesitant to shoot the three, and he would just, like, dribble left and then step back, fade away three, and that was his move. Like, it was very, very anemic, and if, if that is their superstar – versus our superstar and Trey Young, who completely controlled the game. 
he only had 16 turnovers for the entire series. Like Trey was just unbelievable. And to see, like that was our only question with Trey is, is he going to, when the light shines the brightest, is he going to embrace it or fall back like Randall did? And he embraced it and then some. He was just unbelievable. And all the hate and the shit and the getting spit on that happened at Madison Square Garden, one of the more intimidating arenas to go in and play. And he just loved it all and stepped his game up. And, you know, it's, it's like, man, we we got a good one. Yeah. And I fully, fully appreciate what Trey did. And, like, you could just tell a huge difference, especially, like, in uh, the game last night when he's on the court and not on the court. Like, the Knicks were kind of starting to make a run at the end of the third, and then Trey comes back in and just, like, that's lights out. Yeah. And, you know, 29 points a game, a, a tick under 10 assists a game, 9.8 assists per game. He was 34 of 37 from the free throw line. Can't emphasize how important that was. 49 total assists in this series. I mean, there was only a couple of times, he, I can only count on one hand the, the total times I said, damn it, Trey, where either it was a bad pass or something he shouldn't have done or, a, or a, an ill-advised three-pointer. times out of 10, this dude was finding his teammates. He was adapting to the Knicks strategy. They tried different things. I mean, you think about game three, they tried to like smother him and contain him as a scorer. He he pours in 14 assists and just uses his teammates. Yeah. No matter what they try to do, he countered them and destroyed them. It was like um, made Tom uh, Thibodeau look like a, a chump as a coach. And no matter what he tried to do, Trey was, Trey, Trey answered the call and I cannot... There was someone who wrote a great article, and I can't remember who it was. Probably on The Athletic. Probably on The Athletic, but they were saying, like, it wasn't Chris Kirshner, I don't think, but they were saying Trey Young embodies Atlanta in a way. If you think about, you know, how he first got here, everybody thought he was just pedestrian. You know, first game of summer ball, he airballs a three. They, they say he's a bust. They say Luca's better. Everybody's against Trey Young. The entire city of New York was against Trey Young, saying "fuck Trey Young," spitting on him like you were saying. Trey Young's balding. Trey Young's balding. Um, you know, being being degenerate assholes. I don't mind like Trey Young's balding or or um, or booing, but fuck you, Trey Young, and spitting is is crossing the line, in particular yeah. spitting. Yeah, to spit on someone's back in the middle of a pandemic. Free. That's about as low as you can get. Yeah, and even if it wasn't a pandemic wasn't still happening um it's still it's still just ridiculous it's See, inexcusable behavior yeah that that is inexcusable i mean i don't i don't mind like the jerry could just be an angry in general like did you see the guy last night who's probably like eight rows up behind the basket tray on shooting some free throws and he's like the most new york looking guy you'll ever see in your life and his hands are just out wide and he's like screaming at trey legitimately do you want a piece of me like, do you want to step outside and fight? Jesus, I didn't see that. <laughs> it was hilarious, though. And, and if Trey, of course, just drains the free throw. Yeah. Trey embodies Atlanta. Atlanta embraces Trey because we're always the underdog. Everyone talks shit about us. No one th- no one takes us for real. And Trey embraces that. And he's trying to shove all that criticism, all that negativity back up the ass of all the people who despise him and have said no to him for, for pretty much his whole life. He's always been thought to be just a putz. By so many people, and he's just proving that he's anything but that. So good on Trey for just kicking ass. And he sent the message in that first game where he made that beautiful floater. His floater was lethal. Yeah. Some of the best looking floaters I've ever seen. 
um, and, and so long. Um, when he made that floater to end the game in game one, you knew at that point this was our series. Like that sent such a big message of we got over, we're over our sort of playoff jitters. Not that anybody looked nervous, but you could tell we weren't quite playing our game yet. And then game two, we had bad three-point shooting experience, particularly with Gallinari. But, um, you know, we, we, we knew this, we were the better team. Like, like that sent such a big message to split at Madison Square Garden, get home court advantage, and we just wiped the floor of them. I mean, every, the last three games, it was a joke. Like the Knicks kind of played close in both, all the first halves, with the exception of game three, and then it was like we just pulled away. We were clearly the superior team in every, every step of the way. And so many people other than Trey contributed. Kevin Herter played amazing all-around basketball, contributed defensively. He stripped Randall so many times, made clutch threes. DeAndre Hunter really shut down Randall. Oh, my God. He was amazing. What great night. defense. Yeah. Great defense. Uh, Capella played his ass off last <laughs> night, 15 boards, like 15 points, 5 of 5 from the field in the, in the first half. Played great defense throughout, got tons of rebounds. John Collins had the worst game of his life in game two. But played <laughs> oh, very, my God. Played very solid. Other than that, yeah, no, he, very he, solid. he was good. Yeah, I and mean, he, he was in foul trouble that game too. But that was just—I'm glad we got the split. Like, like you said, that that first game, the game winner, that that was everything. Yeah, it really was. That, it just set the tone for the series. Mm-hmm. That oh, th- this is a guy that wants the ball when it all matters. Yeah, and I was very proud of the um, of the Hawks fans showing up big time, giving us a huge home court advantage at State Farm. We thought about on um, Sunday morning going to Game Four. Thought about getting like some standing room only tickets. Were they available? They were available the yeah. night before, and we were oh, like, okay. maybe we should do that. It was like the wedding night and everything. We were checking the hotel, and it was like, maybe we should go because we're like we're staying in Midtown, so it was like maybe we should do it. And then we're like, it's at one, we're gonna be fucking exhausted. Yeah. So yeah. we just went to a bar and watched it instead, and it was probably the the, the right call. It's solid as well. But yeah. regardless, the fans were were tremendous, and I loved um, you know them jeering, saying playoff Randall, playoff Randall, giving Julius Randall a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have to spit on anybody. We're not a bunch of degenerates like those losers up in New York City. You have to go back to their $4,000 a month apartments. The fans in Atlanta, we've done some degenerates. Yes, shit, we've done some heinous shit. More, more so with the Braves fans. Yeah, Hawks fans have always been pretty classy. I've heard bad shit about Falcons fans. I heard Falcons fans <laughs> threw popcorn and beer on um, Rams fans when we played them in like 2004. I was at that game. <laughs> In a playoff game. Keeping it current. Yeah. And then, of course, the Braves fans, we've thrown shit on the field during the wild card game and done um, a number of other things over the well, years. Well, it's like the Hawks for so long, like, you have to be really committed to be a fan of the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were always third fiddle. I'm sure there's a, a bunch of bandwagoners that are going to get on board now that they've actually played on national television. But, yeah, I mean, the State Farm Arena, it's a legitimate home court advantage. Like, we're like twenty and four or something ridiculous since Nate McMillan took over there. Yeah, like that's gonna be a tough place for the Sixers to come in and get a win. Well, let's talk about Nate McMillan real quick before we jump into the Seventy Sixers series. So there's a lot of criticism thrown at Nate McMillan. We were up like what fourteen points or something on the Knicks in Game Two, game and they two. just slowly yeah. kept coming back. And Bogdanovich and Trey were both off the court at the same time. And that people were just critis- you know, lambasting his rotations and said that was the reason the Knicks got back the game, which it was. Yeah. But it's something that was great from then on is he adjusted. Like he saw the error of his ways, realized that was the wrong decision. Didn't, didn't even have to mention it. He just showed it in the way his, his strategy came forth in the, the last three games. Yeah, he kind of, after game two, he kind of denied that there was an issue at the time. Yeah. He's like, but he was like basically saying that's our regular season rotation. Yeah. But this is playoff basketball. And then like, from there on out, you never once saw Trey 
and Bogey on the bench at the same time. Yeah. Um, you saw last night we saw the rotation of Trey and like all bench, which I think is a good rotation to yeah. have as well. And like, and then yet, and then yesterday when the Knicks were kind of chipping back into it. He brought all the starters back on the court like a couple minutes earlier than like he ever right. has or right. would have because it's like we don't want this going back to Atlanta. No. Let's finish this right now. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's fantastic to see. Like huge win for Nate McMillan. His last playoff win was with the SuperSonics. When two thousand five or something, right? Yeah, two thousand four, two thousand five or something like that. So it's a big hurdle for him personally, and like he was getting emotional after the game about it. Um, he, he has to have secured the. The job at this oh point. yeah i'm like yeah. i'm surprised they don't offer it to him in these couple of off, uh, off days they don't distract i mean yeah no let's stick with what's working right, but um right yeah i mean he's I've, I've never seen a coach be have such a direct impact on a team yeah. as as what he has done yeah i mean it's it's unbelievable that the turnaround that this team has had i mean we've, we've talked about it forever but just the energy is so much different like like every time we went up big in the series you had full confidence we would keep the lead i know we blew the lead in the second game but there is just a completely different attitude around this team under McMillan. And another thing I want to commend him on is that the Knicks started to get really frustrated as this series progressed. And they started getting chippy and pushing people around and blah, blah, blah. That happened big time last night. You know, when Trey was walking off the, the court and Randall threw the ball at, his, at him while he was on the ground. And then everybody's getting technical fouls. Well, because well, Nerland shouldered him as they're like just walking well, off the court. But before that, at, yeah. the, at the end of the half... Randall, remember, Randall got called for a technical. Right. And that's when he threw the ball at, at Trey after the second quarter was over. And then Nerlens bumps Trey. And then Solomon Hill's like, I'm going to fuck you up, Bo. Yeah, he, he's the enforcer. Yeah. And so then, like, and then Clint Capella was talking shit uh, before that game, saying, we're going to send you all on vacation. The Knicks can do whatever the hell they want. Um, you know, so can we. And we're going to send them on vacation. It was like that. And and. And they did. And he backs it up. And he, back, and he backed up and played the best game he had the, the whole series. And yeah. I think um, there was uh, Jeff Schultz in particular was like, they shouldn't be shit talking. They shouldn't be saying any of this stuff. And it's like, why not? It's not really bulletin board material. It's not like he's saying, you know, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to score 75 points and I hate everyone in New York City. He just said, we're going to, you know, we're going to win. It's confidence. Yeah. It's, it's true, legitimate confidence. There's nothing wrong with talking if you're. Like, you know, we knew we had the better team. Anyone could watch the, all of those games and be like, the Hawks are just clearly better than the Knicks. I honestly don't understand, like, even after you – I think you had mentioned something on the, the Twitter this morning about Stephen A. Smith and, like, the first, like, five minutes were devoted to talking about the Knicks. Yeah. Of, like, first take or whatever. I don't understand what future they're even excited about. Like, they've got Randall, who's clearly not a superstar. I mean, I think for us, DeAndre Hunter is the better player than R.J. Barrett, and he's our – fourth scoring option if that so it's like I, I don't understand i mean i guess for the knicks they haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years but um i sort of don't get the, i was just unimpressed yeah and i don't get the fascination with the knicks as a franchise other than they are in new york they haven't won a championship since 72 i know we've never won a championship but jesus christ i mean they've been a, the last time they were like a true championship contender was like the patrick ewing era like 99 2000 but they were never good enough to get past like the second round, so it's like yeah. But but they did they did go to the finals in one of those years. But I'm just saying it's like they've never 
they haven't won in so long yet to get all this fucking it's attention. Historic. I mean, what's historic? I mean, they won, the last time they won was forty years ago, fifty years ago. Well, what's historic is they're like the longest running franchise. Congratulations, the Braves are the continuously <laughs> longest continuously operating franchise in baseball. You don't see anyone talking shit about it. It's just because they're in New York and there's some mysticism around the Knicks for some reason, well, even though they've sucked for the most part over the last fifty years and had a couple of good runs here and there. Haven't won a championship since 72. And they actually have a legitimate championship contender currently in New York as well. Yeah, with Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, wow, they should be getting a hell of a lot more attention than the Knicks. You would think, but... But whatever, who cares? I mean, like, it, it's a joke. I, I, I can't stand their bias towards any team that's not in a big market. It's just, it's so aggravating to watch. But whatever. We don't need their... We, we, you know what? You know how we justify our existence is by, is by taking care of business. Is, is we're going to let him know. Should be. But I mean, Trey is a legitimate, like, he's a huge national face. Yeah. Like, he always has been. But, I mean, it's crazy how much of a heel he is. And, like, people just hate Trey Young he, just for being good. Yeah, he embraced that shit so much. And, and like I was saying, Nate McMillan did a good job of not letting the that get to the Hawks. The Knicks kind of getting chippy and doing stuff after plays. It's like, we just took that, and that just fueled us. And Play, that, played our game. And, like, one of the things... I know we, we kind of started mentioning each role player, but, like, Herter is just, like, he's a steadying force out there. Yeah. Shot like, 45% from three in this series. I mean, that was that was massive. And yesterday we started, what, 0 for 9? Yeah. Or, like, 2 of 14 from three or something ridiculous. That was another thing. Is we, he was our only makes. Yeah, and we sucked shooting the three yesterday, and we still beat him by, like, 15 points. Yeah, something about those rims. We just, it, like, poor Gallo. He needs to never play. In, in New York and again. it's crazy because he used to play for the Knicks. Right, he was drafted by them. But, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't shoot well at all yesterday. Bogey had a bad game, but it's just like our defense was just swarming. And I hope it is our defense is legitimately that good and it's not just the Knicks' offense being shit. It's probably a combo. Yeah, I think two. it's a combo, yeah. But, um, I mean, they were getting nothing easy no. at the hoop. Partic- for, yeah, particularly the in the paint, yeah. But even, like, my boy Okongwu, he only got six minutes yesterday. But he made a legitimate difference. Four offensive rebounds, two blocks. Uh, I mean, he was he was Capella 2.0. And he got, a, he got a nice bucket. It's like you see the potential in taking this guy at six overall. It's taken him a long time to get there. But, like, he, he, he showed he, we're so, he is someone we can trust in the playoffs as well to play maybe even a bigger role in the next round. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that, that pans out. But, I mean, it is reassuring to see. I mean, we've seen it steadily over the course of the year, particularly the last couple months. We've seen, okay, Okongu is starting to get it. He's starting to get it. And, yeah, that last five or six minutes, he was incredible. I mean, the block he had at the end of the first half where fans are starting to get into it. and Oh, my God, we were blocking everything. We yeah. had, like, five blocks by the second quarter. I mean, Capella was just – I know John had a block, too, but I think Capella averaged, like, over two blocks per game in this series. I mean, this it's going to be exciting. Like, I mean, the thing is, is that we we're, so we're going to play Philly. We play Philly on Sunday, game one in Philadelphia. Number one overall seed. Number one overall seed in the East. Now, big news came out the other day that Joel Embiid, who's their undisputed beast, has a meniscus tear. I have a question for you. Yeah. Dr. Graham. You're right. This is a medical show. This is, this is your time to shine. When you hear meniscus tear... How concerned are you, and what are the odds that, A, Joel Embiid will be able to play in this series, and, B, if he does play, how hampered is he going to be by this injury? I think I'm sure you've seen multiple meniscus tears in your long and storied career. Performed a lot of surgeries, botched a few. Um, you know, it, it happens. No one's perfect, right? And um, 
that's what happens when you're a back alley doctor. But anyway, they uh, I think the thing with with Embiid is that I think he will probably play. Um, he might not play game one. They might want to give him a little extra time. It's a seven game series, but. Having a meniscus tear, as knowing a couple of people who have torn meniscuses in all seriousness, hampers your lateral ability to to cut and to move as effectively and to put pressure on that leg. So it could slow him down a little bit, but a lot of people are saying that he has been playing through this for a little a little while. He's still been pretty damn effective. And last night before uh, the Wizards game, he apparently went out, took pregame reps, and was, you know, moving pretty well out there they were saying you know knocking down jumpers shooting free throws doing some layups doing some cutting here and there so we'll see how it how it you know shakes out but and i never want to like be happy that anyone is hurt but that is literally the only way the hawks can can win is if Embiid is either not effective or doesn't play with this team i'm I'm not going to say that's literally the only way they would win like i'm just saying the philly is a significant upgrade over New York. They have the best defense in the league. They have one of the best players in the league. And and New York's defense, which was so vaunted, is nothing compared to theirs. It's it's like they are they're just so much better all across the board in terms of points per game um, from the opposition and, and field goal percentage and things like that. I am not gonna not believe in this team, especially with the home court advantage we have in Atlanta. Like it's not gonna be easy for them to come in Atlanta and get wins, even if they're at hundred percent. I agree, and that's why it's so critical that if Embiid is out that first game that you win that game. Yeah, that get, that that down. that yeah. that game is is do or die. If you win that game and it beats out and you win that game, you have a shot. You have a legitimate shot to do it. Yep. And then take care of home court. Yeah, if you take care of home court after that, then you then you have a shot. If you don't and then he comes back game 2 and then they're up 2 and then it's, it's over. It's certainly an interesting twist. It is. It's the last thing I was expecting because we know Embiid has been very injury prone over his career, but I was like it won't happen before the damn Hawks series and then I was talking to our good friend uh, One Knowledge Bone last night at uh, at the bar, and he was like, "Oh, did you hear about Embiid?" I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, he tore his meniscus." I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, yeah, we got a chance." That's a game changer. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, I don't want to write off the Hawks at all, even if they, even if the Sixers have a fully healthy Embiid. It's just it's going to be such a stark contrast between playing the Sixers and and the. Uh, in the next, I mean, the, the Sixers have a legitimate superstar. They have a much better defense. They have a lot of playoff experience. It, it's going to be a completely sure. different series. But, but it's not like we just barely snuck by the Knicks. No, we, we kicked we, their we ass. We dominated. Yeah. And we shot poorly in a lot of the games as well. Right. And then the games that we did shoot really well in, I mean, I mean, I mean, look at how what we did against the Suns. And I know that was like a while ago. Remember when we beat the Suns and they were at full strength and we just, oh, we just yeah, slaughtered yeah. them and just, yeah, it was like the best game of our lives. I'm not saying we're going to get that, but it's like, this team can rise to the occasion. They have a lot of confidence. McMillan's a good coach. And we have our superstar. We have our legitimate superstar we've been wanting since Dominique left Atlanta. We know he's going to show up. So if he shows up, we could still get more out of Lou. We can obviously get a lot more out of Gallo. Yeah. I mean, Gallo showed up in the games at home. He yeah. played really well in those games. And, um, you know, Bogey got full confidence in him. Capella. The big thing is going to come down to is Embiid versus Capella. If Embiid or if, uh, if Capella is getting into foul trouble – we're screwed. Nkongu is going to get absolutely demolished down there. Um, like, we saw it. I mean, when we last played Philly, Capella went out, and they fed him bead like eight straight times, and he just dominated yeah. us. We were, it was like a grown man playing against two-year-olds. It was sure. pathetic. Sure. So, once again, Capella is the man. He's got he's to show up again, and yep. he can't get into foul trouble. So, first game is Sunday. Sunday at 1. 
on ABC. Oh, one o'clock is the official time? Yeah. I like that. It's the craziest thing. I'm in our hotel room. They didn't have ABC. They had all these other premium channels and stuff and cable channels, but there's no ABC. That's ridiculous. So we went to a bar watch. You didn't bring your own digital antenna? We did not. We did not. You you go to the Four Seasons, I guess you got to bring your goddamn digital antenna. Yeah, you should probably um, write a complaint about that one. Yeah. All right, go to a bar watch. You want to do that anyway, so it doesn't matter. But it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's it with the Hawks. Do you have any predictions in in the series? I think it's going to be a very competitive close series. That's my only prediction. Right. But also, personally, as a fan, I'm not satisfied. No. Like, it felt good to win one series, but I want more. Of course. As we've discussed with the Braves, and it's even more apparent now, you got to take advantage of your situation when you got them. Of course. So we, we cannot be the New York Knicks and just be happy with getting to the playoffs or winning one series. No. Like, we, we have a legitimate opportunity here to take down a number one seed. Uh, let's let's get after it. Yeah, let's do our best. And I think, but I think it still is a hell of an accomplishment, no matter what happens in this series. To be a fourteen and twenty, be a team that's like, good God, this team is painful to watch. Pure apathy from the fan base or anger, and then it just turns around this dramatic turnaround, and everybody's healthy now, with the exception of like Cam Reddish and Goodwin, who we don't really need. Cam Reddish, he's they're still talking like he's coming back to play. Like, I guess. If he can get a couple minutes on defense, but isn't Chris Dunn great defensively as well? So he's, like, he's not even seen like, the court. I, I don't want to throw Cam Reddish out there in round two against I don't, Philly. I don't think he's going to come out. So I mean, I think I don't know why they keep giving injury updates. Yeah, on him. it's kind of weird. And I really hope DeAndre Hunter swarms Embiid like with Embiid has on the perimeter. Like do some weird shit to him. I'm, well, I'm telling DeAndre is getting more comfortable out there. Oh yeah, he's looking a lot better. Like his offense as well. It's like it's looking a lot smoother for sure. A smooth 15 points last night. Yeah. And he's a very quiet player. You know, he's not, he's not like, not to say Trey isn't quiet, but I mean, Trey, Trey's definitely the most flamboyant player we have. And I loved all the, you know, after he made the game one shot, like, it's so fucking quiet in here. You know, yeah. putting his, his finger over his mouth, like shushing the crowd. And then the bow after he makes that like 35 foot three pointer last night. Yeah, that was, that, that was, was beautiful. beautiful. And, and all people were like, oh, that's just classless. I'm like, no, you know what's classless is spitting on the player. Were people, were people saying that? Was Some people I heard were saying that yeah. on Twitter and stuff, and like they're probably just Knicks fans. But I'm like, you're classless because you know maybe not that person is classless, but as a fan base, I consider the Knicks classless for spitting on, uh, spitting on Trey. Trey has full license to do whatever the hell he wants. He could have shot that three and then flicked off the entire crowd, and it would have been within his right to All do right. that. Uh, Trey handled everything with grace. Yeah, he did. I think that that uh, photo of him, like just with the entire. Crowd like raining down booze on him, pointing at him, flicking off, and he's just turning around smiling. Yeah, that is an iconic photo. Yeah, yeah, like that. That that is our Trey Young. Yeah, and I love that too. And uh, Noel bumped into him. He just like pulls his shirt up and just yeah know, does the Atlanta thing real quick and then puts it down. I was yeah, like, no, God, he, you he, love this guy. He, he's he's matured. Yeah, a lot. So even within the span of like a few months, like just mental toughness. Like whenever Trey would struggle a little bit, even in the the super rebuilding years, like. I didn't like question his mental toughness, but I was like, it hasn't developed yet. It's fully developed now. This I mean, guy is unflappable. It helps to have like a veteran head coach, yeah. veteran players around you. Yes. Like his team is infinitely better than he's ever had. Yeah. So, and like, he's worked his ass off on his approach going into his game. going into yeah. the paint. He's got he arguably has the best floater in the NBA right now. I mean, incredible. I yeah. can't wait to and he is not even done reaching his potential either. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is the Hawks are now the most exciting team in Atlanta. Yeah, it's true. 100%. Who would have thought we would have said that in January? 
But I will say, I think I'll make my prediction like I did last time. I think I said Hawks in seven last time. I think I was overvaluing the Knicks a little bit. Um, I will say, if Embiid is a beast, Philly in six. If Embiid is out or is diminished to the point where he's not effective, Hawks in seven. So you think we win game seven on the road? Yeah. I think it's the ultimate like ball-grabbing moment. Yeah. That's, that's what I say. Because Philly's still got a talented team, and their defense is elite. But this team's got something special going right now. But if Embiid is a beast and he's doing his normal thing, I don't think we have it, – it's going to – I don't think we'll win. Yeah. It's well, a tough draw. That's what they play the games for. Yeah. And as we've learned about predictions, if you look at ESPN – like all the like ESPN predictions, is like – what was it? 28 of like 30 riders picked like the, Haw- the Knicks. The Knicks. Which yeah. is just silly. Like – have you watched a single Hawks game all year? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it doesn't make any sense, and I don't understand why why it's I the, still the, even click on those things. Yeah, but I do. Yeah. I know they're all just wrong, and you know the, the the common fan, such as me and you, generally knows more than any you know corporate. Uh, what have you? <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said, my friend. We might not be able to uh, put our emotions out there as well. Yes. And our, our thoughts. Your elucidation is second to none. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say, transitioning into, I guess we'll go to the Braves, ah. is just like how excited I was about the Hawks. I'm just like equally as just apathetic about the Braves right now. How I feel about the Braves is how I thought about the Hawks in like January or February. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a struggle. Or as you like to say, a troll trudge to watch this team. Yeah, should we get to the breaking news first? Though? Yeah, let's get to the breaking news. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, the night of my wedding, we were at Manuel's in the after party. We were watching the tail end of the Braves getting their asses kicked by the Mets, like fourteen to one. And I was like, whatever, I'm just talking to people. And then I just look up at the at the there's like six TVs where we were, and I all had a mugshot of Marcelo Zuna. I was like, what the shit's going on here? And it was like Marcelo Zuna arrested on a domestic assault, domestic violence. And I was like, oh my god. And, um, and I remember yelling at you, and I was like, hey, hey. And I pointed at there, and you were just like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, you were, like, in this kind of, like, you're just looking around, like, what? I mean, yeah. just, like, your jaw just dropped. It looked like uh, the face of God. Yeah. God showed his face to you. I was glad I had, like, more fun things going on yes. at the time. That would have been miserable if the, you hadn't. The dealing with break, especially with, like, the Braves getting their asses kicked oh, in that yeah. game at the same time. Yeah, I was hoping we'd come in there. During their game. Yeah, I was hoping we'd come in there and be like, it's still a close game. I was like, no. Um, so I think first things first to get a little serious, um, you know, the real victim in this scenario is, is Ozuna's wife and, and children for sure. And, um, yeah, I definitely thought about them for a little bit after this. I mean, you know, they said that it was a, a attempted strangulation and just beating the shit out of her with his cast. Yeah. And all I mean, stuff. It, it's different than a lot of other domestic abuse cases that like you get in sports anyways, because the cops witness this, they walk into the house and they see this 240-pound man in the middle of choking his wife and then beats her face with his cast that he has from breaking his fingers last week in Boston, and that's why he wasn't on the Braves road trip. Right. So, like, normally it's more of a he, sh- he said, she said scenario, but cops witnessed this go down. So for him to, like, not even have the awareness that cops were in his house, like, that's the kind of rage yeah. that this man has and just how – obviously toxic their relationship oh has God. been. Yeah, there was apparently a, a situation with them last year where she threw like an ashtray or something at him. At his face, yeah. And then, I don't know, the 
publicly it wasn't revealed what the outcome of that was. Um, obviously, they were still together, um, given what happened on Saturday. But, yeah, it's a horrible situation. And um, I know he got released on, like, $20,000 bail. Um, and um, he's pretty much, they canceled the, the sleeve night, the Marcelo Zuna sleeve night, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Yeah. And the Braves haven't really said much about it, player or coach or uh, organization, other than, you know, let the investigation play out and blah, blah, blah. But for me, Ozuna's dead to me after that. Like, yeah, like, I mean, there's no way he's going to play for the Braves again. No. But and he just revealed that he's a, a fucking... Usually I can separate, like, player from person, but in that scenario, I, I can't really. That's just... You just don't put your hands on a woman. No, let alone fucking strangler. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. Beyond ridiculous. It's awful. One of the worst things you can do. Yeah, that, that, that goes without saying. Like, it crosses so many lines. Yeah. And uh, I, don't, I was just thinking, I was like, man, that selfie thing he does looks so ridiculous now, knowing that that's what he's like at home. Yeah, like, I fucking fell in love with that guy last year. I mean, yeah. I, I adored him. Um, thought he had such crazy swagger and energy and just propelled this team to such a historic run. And then you find out what's really what lies beneath, and it's Still like it just makes the... you feel sick. Yeah, no, it's it it it's truly horrific, um, nightmare situation. As you said, obviously for his wife and the kids, and now the team that just signed him to four year, sixty four million dollar contract. Yeah, and there's all this stuff too about like uh, well, they haven't released him, and there's there's so much red tape that's going to be too difficult, I think, to to really get into it. But apparently, it's going to be very hard to release him without paying his salary. Yeah, even, um, even with what he did, right? Yeah, the because the players' union and their contracts are just so they're so tight. It's like the complete opposite of the NFL, where he would have been cut already, but yeah. the Braves aren't going to say anything until they're going to let Major League Baseball do their thing, yeah. let the lawyers do their thing, yeah. and I know that he won't get paid for whatever the suspension period is. Right. So I think the longest suspension that's happened for this so far is 162 games. Which I'm sure he's going to get. I mean, he's going to get that and then some. Yeah. Because, like, the police witnesses just brings – I mean, but if he serves actual jail time, which is a possibility. Oh, yeah. I would be shocked if his wife doesn't press charges. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what his wife does. Okay, because the police saw Because the police witnessed The police saw So there's that's Part of the deal is, like, the even if – because in these cases in the past, the – the wife would drop it, but like, right. it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's a good at point. At this point. So, but if she does, if he does actual jail time, the contract could possibly be voided. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a awful situation to be yeah. in all yeah. around. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just another, another one of the, I mean, it's like the Hector Oliveira situation kind of all over again. Right. Um, but Hector Oliveira wasn't thinking on baseball terms now right. as well. Right. Hector Oliveira was like, oh, whatever, that was a terrible trade anyways. Yeah. And he didn't look like he was going to be a good baseball player ever. But he yeah. never played in the big leagues again. I'm thinking the same thing happens to Marcel. Yeah. Um, there's some teams that would maybe take him on, like Araldis Chapman has a couple of different domestic violence right. things. Odubel Herrera on Philly had has a, uh, domestic, had a domestic violence issue. But I don't know. I don't think any of those guys were like – I mean – there's a whole, I, you don't I, know. I don't think there's a, a tier of domestic violence. Domestic violence is domestic violence, but the strangling makes it worse than just slapping or punch. Strangling is like intent to kill. Yeah. You know, it's like you could, he could, you know, potentially be 
charged for like a, attempted murder based on you know what the testimony is um, from the the officers and from potentially his wife. I don't know. Yeah, and then if if body cam footage comes out too. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. I do not foresee a path back for him, and you know he did that to himself. So, but I mean, there's no way he would play for the Brit. Like the no. Brave, the Braves have a very like family. Yeah. type atmosphere they're going for yeah. like the, the the fan base would never accept him again no the locker room would absolutely never no. accept him again which is so crazy to think about how much he was beloved in that locker yeah room. so i mean imagine what like his teammates are going through right now just like yeah. they love that guy yeah and now just it's to, already been uh, such a shit year like if, if you think you look at him in a different light imagine ronald acuna oh yeah he looked up to him ozzy yeah. looked up to him yeah um you know i know he and freddie were really close um, Panda Bear loved that guy too. So it's just beyond screwed up. And now the Braves in general, you know, it seems like every time they get to 500, they uh, decide to go on a losing streak. We're so, talking baseball now? We're talking baseball right, now. Let me, let me relax a little bit. Yeah. Let's say, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to talk about, but it is, but it's it's got to be done. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no two sides to this story. Like, no, it's a rare case where like no one's gonna like take Marcelo Zuda's side no, in that case. No, it's just... there's just there's just no way, no way. Yeah, but yeah, the, the Braves twenty six and twenty eight somehow still in second place in the NL East, four games back of the Mets, who are once again trying to get hot. But this 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 weird ass division, Adam. It's like the Mets are six games over five hundred. Everyone else is kind of hovering around five hundred or like six or seven games below. Um. We're two, and the Phillies three. So it's like, what a weird, odd division. We just split a series with the Nationals. Another frustrating, frustrating series. We only played one game against the Mets. The other two games were rained out, and now we have the Dodgers coming into town. The good news is, I guess Dansby Swanson's got a, like what a twelve-game hitting streak. He's kicking butt recently. Um, Acuna continues to play out of his mind, but once again, this damn pitching staff. Starters have been really good the last couple of weeks until like yes. The but they're also not playing very good teams. You know, Pirates, right? Brewers, Mets offensively have been awful. So yeah. now you get back to teams that can actually hit the ball, like Boston lost 9-5. to five. Mets lose 13-2. to two. Nationals lose 11-6. to six. We're giving up so many runs. We are getting to the point for Drew Smiley where he's got to be looking over his shoulder now from what we've seen from Bryce Wilson and what we've seen now from Tucker Davidson. Tucker Davidson pitched a great game today. I didn't see – I only started watching the game around the sixth inning, the good inning when we actually scored a bunch of runs. But, yeah, I heard he was he was great today. What I love about him is he pitches quick. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to pitch to contact as well. But, I mean, he can, he can run it up there 95. But he, he was very efficient. And his first start, he went six innings, gave like only 76 pitches to get there. Uh, today he had five walks, which you don't want to see, but only gave up one hit. And he was never in big trouble. Like he, he looks really, really good. So to have him and Bryce Wilson as like two guys that are just dominating in Triple A, uh, Smiley, the Smiley uh, watch starts. What I mean, I would be fine with moving him to the bullpen, moving the bullpen for for long relief or or even middle middle innings relief. I think that Bryce Wilson in particular has done enough to earn like every like last two starts he's been outstanding. Yeah, he's shown even a modicum of consistency, which none of the other starters have been able to show this year, really. Maybe with the exception of of, of Freed for, um, you know, when he got back I mean, from the injury. Ian Anderson. In, in, Ian Anderson as well. But I'm just saying, like, you know, Bryce Wilson, I know it's only been two games. He's not going to be perfect. But I, I would much rather give him a shot 
at this point than I mean, I'm seeing what I'm seeing from Smiley, and I'm done with him. He's already given up 14 home runs, Adam. Oh yeah, that's the and that's 10 the starts, not even 10 starts, nine starts, 14 home runs and only 46 innings. He's been worth negative 0.6 WAR, has a 5.98 ERA. Uh, his WHIP is 1.37, which isn't terrible, but isn't great either for a starter. So I'm kind of over the dude. And um, I believe 14 home runs is second worst in the major leagues. Yeah, it leads the team in terms of home runs given up. Um, the closest other person was actually Huasker, and Charlie Morton's actually given up seven runs as well, or seven home runs, excuse me. Um, even Charlie Morton's shown signs of being better recently, for sure. Even though, once again, he gave up a, a home run on an 0-2 fastball. I don't yeah. know what the hell it is. He always has that, that one big inning still. It's just so aggravating, too, because it's like 0-2 count. Don't throw a fucking strike. Or just challenge the zone, but make it a ball. And he always seems to just lay a fat one right down the middle for somebody well, to crush. Not always, but on the one at bat, a game where he gives up that home run that you're referencing. But, but, but it has happened multiple times throughout the year. Right, right. It's just, it's just like the lesson's not being learned here. But he you has. Re- you recognize there's other at bats throughout the game that he gets to go to. But it just seems like every every time he is in, every time he does give up those runs, it seems like he's got the advantage, and then he just right blows it. But like the Nationals start, I love the movement on his um, his breaking pitch. He made uh, Trey Turner look like a total loser, so he's getting better. Um, you know, Anderson's still been solid. Free got touched up pretty good his last start against the Nationals, but before that, he had three outstanding starts against Toronto, the Mets, and uh, Pittsburgh. But yeah, he, he got crushed in that national start for whatever reason. So we, we know Freed's going to be fine. But yeah, you still look to the, the, the rotation and you're like, Morton's okay, Smiley sucks, Huasker's gone. Uh, it's pretty much just Anderson and uh, Freed right now. And I would really like to see Bryce Wilson get his time and not you know have a good start and just get sent down because he's got options. Like, I'm, I'm sick of that shit. Let this man start. I, I agree with giving Bryce Wilson a bigger a bigger role. Yeah. I, I don't think the rotation is our issue right now, though. No, the bullpen is still so, a train wreck. So bullpen stats for you, Graham. Yeah, please. 482 ERA. Woof. 14 losses for the bullpen this year, which I know you're not a wins-losses guy, but from the bullpen, that is a big – the loss anyways is a big stat. Right. So we only had nine losses last year, uh, and we're up to 14 already. Right. I mean, last year was only 60 games, but we haven't played 60 games. Nine yet. losses from the bullpen. Yeah, nine yeah. losses. And uh, yeah. that this is the that's the worst in the majors, and we're 0 and 8 as a team when tied after seven. And that's just crazy because I mean, the Braves, the late inning magic is is gone this year. Like we haven't had. I don't think we've had like really a big walk off or anything like that. Well, the some, game we went to. The game we went to was like the only game. Yeah. Like there, in, there's been a couple, remember, but. but Whenever that happens, we think we're about to turn the corner, and then we lose three or four in a right. row. I will say uh, Chris Martin's been really good. I know he had a rough outing last night, but you know he'd been lights out up until that point. So you feel good about him. Shane Green is supposedly coming back yep. soon. Luke Jackson has been has been good overall, um, and I, I can't deny it anymore. He pitched 1.2 innings um, last night and looked pretty effective. No no hits, no walks. Um, you know, he's getting his whip down there. He's, you know, it's really just like him and Martin are the only guys that have any faith in out of the bullpen. Even Will Smith is always a little shaky. Last night gave up a run um, in his appearance. He's got a 4-2-9 ERA. He's been, it's just been, it's just been rough, man. I don't know. It's just like this, this bullpen continues to just flounder. And we know uh, A.J. Minter is, is not looking 
not looking hot either. But he's looking better now that like now that he's not the starters are starting to go a little deeper into games. He's not he was overused horribly at the beginning of the year. He was. And with throwing Shane Green in there, uh, my boy Tomlin has five scoreless appearances after his terrible outing he, in Milwaukee. He looked really good today. He was like uh, vintage good Tomlin, weak contact, hitting all his spots. So, yeah, it's good to so see him I, do better. I think this bullpen has a chance to come back together here. Um, just got to be patient. Yeah, I think but, Matzik is tired too. I know he had a horrible game on Tuesday night. Yeah. He had three runs. Um, his last two two appearances, giving up five hits. Two walks and three runs. Um, so, and that that guy got a long break in between. I mean, the last time he had pitched before last night was was uh, against I think the Pirates like two weeks ago or something. So, I don't know this bullpen. Once again, we have nothing new to say about it. It's kind of the same old story. Like Luke Jackson continues to overperform. Oh jeez! Uh, if you look at his track record, he overperforms. He's really overperforming. I thought you were saying you were just saying positive things about Luke. I am. I'm just saying, given his track record over the course of his career, you look at the, as your favorite saying, the back of a baseball card is pretty terrible. Remember Charlie Morton at the beginning of his career when he wasn't very good and then he was the most dominant pitcher in the majors for 10 straight years? Yeah, but he has a... Okay, that's a little hyperbolic. Um, but, like, yeah, players don't start off great. They they get... Not all players, anyways. Yeah, but if you look at a guy like Luke Jackson who just struggled like crazy until now remember charlie morton with the braves yeah i understand i'm just saying when a guy has you know a career area of like five until he got to until this year i mean it's kind of tough to he really the only good seasons he's had was that 2019 season even then he wasn't that good and now this year so every other year he's just been shellacked and um Regardless, we're not having a Luke Jackson. We're not having a Luke Jackson moment. Luke Jackson has been good. It's the same old story like I was saying. Luke Jackson is good. Finally, I guess. Um, Chris Martin's a beast. The rest of the bullpen's kind of like you just throw your hat in the air and see what it, see where it lands. You have no idea of what's going to happen. I don't. You know, a lot of people are giving the snicker shit, but it's like, what the, what the hell is he supposed to do at this point? It's it's it's, it's a bad bullpen. And we got to find a left fielder. Um, the Almonte Heredia combo. That's not no. going to work. So what about your boy Arcia? I don't think he can play left field, but I don't know, man. Like, um, dude's tearing up in in AAA, or uh, Liberty Media is going to have to give AA some money to go make a move. Yeah, I mean, now that they're seeing, look, we got some revenue coming in from the like so many sellout games. Like, let's bump the payroll a little bit. The battery's making money again. Yeah, like, like let's let's make a trade for someone who maybe is getting paid. Give us something, salary. or we're going to have to finally trade one of these prospects. Yeah. We have to trade a Tucker Davidson or Bryce Wilson or I would trade David. I don't want to trade Wilson. I think Wilson's going to be great. I don't want to trade like if you had to point a gun in my head, I'd trade Davidson. But I don't think he has enough value. I don't think either one of them have enough value. It's just well, you're going to have to trade a Drew Waters. You, you, we're going to have to trade some of these names, Graham. Waters is still a year or two away. I wouldn't be opposed to that because now the left fielder of the future and the present, which was Ozuna, yeah. Regardless of the DH comes back, he's going to be a big part of your team. Is not going to be a big part of your team. We're going now. to be so screwed long term with this Ozuna thing. Like, yeah, no, you. This is this is why AA doesn't give out multi-year deals. The first time we do, we get screwed by. Well, it. I mean, this is such a crazy scenario. Um, not to say Marcel was really killing it this year at all. He was pretty awful. Even though a he lot was. of people were saying that you know some of it was luck because he was still hitting the ball hard. But I mean, we, we've seen it a million times with how his approach at the plate has just not been great this year he wasn't hitting left-handed pitching at all which he slaughtered last year i think a lot of people made adjustments to him 
and started throwing him more off-speed pitches, and he couldn't handle it. So, uh, regardless, though, yeah, Marcel is gone. And um, who fills that void? I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. Almonte. Heredia. Heredia. I like Heredia, but uh, he's not the the person you want there every day. So, I don't know. Yeah, we got to bring someone else in here. And we got to get help in the bullpen. And um, you got to hope the rotation can iron itself out and hopefully Bryce Wilson gets something going. But, yeah. It's tough sledding right now. We still have plenty of baseball left to play, but you know nothing's changing though. That's the thing that's kind of scary. It's like we have there have been flashes and people have you know had their streaks and haven't, but it's pretty much it's consistently been the story of Acuna's having the season of his life. The offense is struggling overall, with the exception of like Austin Riley and sometimes someone like Freddie or Swanson goes on a nice little streak. How, how are we not talking about Freddie more right now? He's he's hitting two thirty in June. I know he's not doing well. I don't understand why you're so hard on Luke Jackson, but like, you, are you you'll fucking say, you'll serious? Say are you about fucking Freddie serious? Freeman. You haven't are mentioned you fucking Freddie. serious. Call down. No, I'm not going to calm down. You're going to compare Luke Jackson to Freddie fucking Dude, Freeman. I, I'm not comparing them. I'm saying you, you like Luke Jackson's just a bullpen piece, and you want to keep talking about him, but like, you won't even mention that Freddie, the MVP, is hitting 230. Yeah, when he's his not team, playing when well his at team, all. He hasn't had an RBI in 40 something at bats. Give a shit about RBI. You don't care about RBI. No, not really. It's, that doesn't really determine the individual value of a player because that's dependent on someone getting on base. Most Unless you're hitting a home run. But to compare, Freddie Freeman has a very long leash to me. I'm not Fre- Freddie Freeman has been an, an elite player for the last seven years. Luke Jackson is a journeyman bullpen guy who has a very short leash because he's not a very good pitcher. 6-8-4 ERA last year. That's my point. Why do you focus so much on Luke Jackson but give no critique to Freddie? Because I have faith in Freddie to, to pull it out because he's proven to be an elite baseball player and he's the best first baseman in baseball. Hitting 230? Over the last seven years, he's the best first baseman in baseball. I don't know. Like, he's that's, – that's not disputable. If Trey Young had a two-month cold stretch and the Hawks were playing mediocre uh, basketball, would you give Trey Young credit? Yes, because he's established enough of respect and that we should give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Freddie Freeman is one of the all-time great players in the modern Braves era. And you're going to compare him to Luke Jackson. I'm not comparing him to Luke Jackson. I'm comparing your assessment. It's because he's a great player that I'm not going to give him unmitigated shit. Because he's proven time and time again to be an elite player. That's, 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 that's the story. Okay. So I give elite players room. They're struggling. And You give Charlie Morton a lot of shit. I have. And he's been an elite player over the last 10 years. That's true. So how do you, how do you put that together? Because he hasn't shown me like hardly anything this year to be <laughs> so what has freddie showed you i know but freddie's a better player than charlie morton and we also I, didn't and charlie's been one of the best pitchers over the last decade no yes Com- no you just haven't been watching him no just admit you have a big freddie bias That's- i have a freddie bias but you, can, you also can't deny that he's one of the best players in baseball not just- right now because he's not playing very well but he has been amazing so is charlie morton not as good as freddie freeman charlie morton isn't finishing in charlie Cy Young morton races. has won Multiple World Series and pitched Game 7s. Yeah, he also had Verlander and Grinky on his team. He pitched Game 7s. Congratulations. He's a, yes, he is a great player, and I have given him a lot of shit. And that's a fair criticism of me, I guess. I just know, in my heart of hearts, and I am Freddie Bias. You're right. But, like, I haven't seen anything from Morton to give me any confidence. And I haven't seen much of Freddie to give me a lot of confidence either this year. But I have a lot more experience watching Freddie than I do Charlie Morton. There we go. But you can't deny. I'm not worried about Freddie. So, but I'm, you're just here 
but, giving me shit about giving Luke Jackson shit because Luke Jackson's not a good pitcher. He's having one good season so far. And Freddie Freeman's had a storied career. I just think it's crazy. We've talked about the Braves' struggles for we talked about tw- Freddie for twenty minutes and had it mentioned Freddie. Once. Yeah, no, we haven't. But I'm just saying, we we give Freddie the benefit of the doubt until I think Freddie. If you want to get really weird here, I think he's done in Atlanta. Well, There's no contract negotiations. Nothing's going on. He's probably pissed off about it. Maybe that's affecting him. I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, but maybe that is. Yeah, the Freddie contract thing's uh, definitely a big issue, and that's what <laughs> I mean. That, that was my other thought today with this Marcel thing. It's like all that money that we paid to Marcel could have gone to Freddie. Yeah, it's a problem with and, having uh, a loser, uh, loser corporation run, run your baseball team. It's who doesn't care about winning. I mean, we thought we had this like four or five year window, but like this could quickly unravel on us. If Freddie leaves, yeah, Freddie leaves, Azuna's gone. Then you could start thinking maybe Acuna, Albies want to get traded and all that shit and just implodes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a dire situation right it, now. If, if anything, this is all the more reason to take care of Freddie, like, ASAP. It's ridiculous that a deal wasn't done in the offseason when he had just, you know, got us with one game of the World Series and uh, he's been your franchise cornerstone and they don't want to. It's, it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. And if we lose him, then this organization, it's not dead to me, but I will be. Very upset. But then again, you can talk also about like, well, Freddie's getting older. Freddie's 32 now. Maybe he's not just going to have this precipitous of a drop-off, though. I mean, look at all, anybody that's gotten a huge contract, like an Albert Pujols situation. But yeah, Pujols still tore it up for like three years with the Angels. It wasn't like total yeah, dog shit. Yeah, Ten-year contract. Yeah, so. that's a little ridiculous. I don't think And someone would, like, you still don't, you can't just like, completely overpay freddie yeah so i mean it's it's not an easy thing but no. yeah i'm not very comfortable with freddie freeman uh heading into free agent agency though no it's it's a scary thing but it's also i don't know the whole team's scary except for luke jackson man's solid as a rock he is somehow some way i'm, I'm glad i brought it the Charlie Morton thing. That's a more apt comparison to what the point I was trying to get across. Yeah, but Charlie Morton's like old and he's also injury prone. Like he's got issues. He's not what he was. Freddie Freeman's coming off an MVP year, an objective MVP year. Not just he won it, but he was the best player last year, I would say. And he's, uh, it's just crazy that he's having this much of a, a downturn in, in play right now. It's very, very concerning. Yeah, what 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 is the answer though to this to this to the predicament the Braves find themselves in? What do they what what needs to be done other than what we've talked about? Try to find a left fielder, maybe play Bryce Wilson more. Shane Green hopefully comes in and can solidify some things. Do you make any more moves for the bullpen at this point? I don't think we can wait around. I think we got to start making like we kind of seen what this team is right now. Yeah, people aren't going to trade bullpen arms this early. No. And I still think adding a Shane Green is just going to lengthen our bullpen a lot. And I, I don't think they're that terrible. They've had a terrible start to the year. But there's arms down there that we know were very good just last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to be patient. Good news, we're, we're still only four games back. That's a crazy thing. Like We should be dead and buried the way we've been playing so far, but somehow we're not. Um, I hope Dansby keeps going well. I hope Freddie figures it out. Yeah, he's been another tough stretch. That, that's a big answer, Freddie. Yeah, he, we thought he had turned it around, 
and then the last couple of weeks he's been very tepid. Yeah. Um, such a weird thing. You can't let your contract status affect your your play on the field. No, and that's not to say that's what's happening. I'm just trying to rationalize it because he seems like he's healthy. Such an odd thing for this to be happening right now. I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen, yeah. though, Graham. This weekend is going to be very telling. The Dodgers coming into town. If yeah. we get swept just, like, terribly from them, we're, we're facing Urias, yeah. Kershaw. Kershaw, and Bauer. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, the only thing that would make it worse if, is if you substituted uh, Bueller in there. But, yeah, either way, it's it's, it's tough slaying. Urias has had a great season. Kershaw's Kershaw, and Bauer's obviously a monster. So it's like – and it doesn't get easier, really, after that. I mean, when you look at what's coming up after this damn Dodgers series – you have to play Philly, who's played as tough this year, and you know, and then the, and then the Marlins, who I know they're struggling a little bit, but they, you know, it's still an Eastern Division team, and they know us very well, and they're not terrible. And we got to play Boston again, and then first place St. Louis, and then the Mets. Those are your next uh, like seven series. Those are all decent to really good teams. Time to figure it out, boys. Yeah, this will either this will either this will tell us what the Braves are. This 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 stretch from now till uh, June twenty third. I mean, we really blew a major opportunity, I think, to take advantage of this of this schedule. Um, and we'll see if it bites us in the ass. Good news is we don't have to play the Blue Jays anymore. Thank God, <laughs> we got that going for us. Yeah. And then uh, we get to the Falcons, Adam Julio Jones once out of Atlanta. Sterling, with Shannon Sharp calls him on Undisputed and says, what's happening, Julio? And he says, I'm out of there. I'm out of Atlanta. And then the trade wheels start spinning. And then it comes out also that apparently he asked for a trade in March. And, uh, yeah. So, end of the Julio Jones era is official. Probably hasn't been traded as of this recording. I'm sure we'll get traded tomorrow and we'll completely miss it. But Or miss it for this episode. But, yeah, this is done. I mean, something's going to happen. Not necessarily. You don't think so? My, my, my thoughts have changed on this. The fact that it hasn't happened Well, we knew by June, today. June 1st. Right. We knew. I thought it... So, they want a first-round pick and for the other team to pay Julio's contract. Like, all of it. At least. I think you might be able to get one, of the, one or the other. You ain't going to get both. Well, then keep Julio. How are you going to sign your rookie class? Restructure Grady, extend he Grady, want, he doesn't want to cut do some people. He doesn't want to do it. You, you don't, you can't, as Fontenot, you cannot cave and get rid of Julio. Remember, like, when the Texans got rid of uh, DeAndre for, like, an old washed-up yeah, running back? Yeah, you've got to get value for him. Yeah, and especially as this is his first deal. Like, if Fontenot just takes whatever, yeah, then he's just going to keep getting fleeced. We're going to have other veterans wanting the same thing to happen, just demand a trade and get traded. Like, yeah. there's other ways to make this happen. If if you just hold out, get be patient. We don't need to trade him today. No, you can trade him any time. It's not and, like and, it's not a rush. And the whole Shannon Sharp thing, like that, that kills a lot of the negotiating power that we could have had because people know that Julio wants out now. But wait for training camp. See, like if a big injury comes up somewhere else, yeah, and, a te- and a team gets more desperate. Nope. Just you you can't let the best receiver in the league go for a second round pick. I agree. I mean, be hard, be hard about it for sure. A lot of teams are, are into it. Ravens, apparently 49ers talk to the Packers. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But yeah, I agree with you. You gotta be, you can't be, um, 
you can't just give in for sure. Just, yeah, and you got to set yourself up for the future. As much as Fontenot and Smith want to say you brought it, if we're the wrong guys to have if you want to rebuild, this team has too many holes not to rebuild. And Julio Jones, keeping him isn't going to help you get to a Super Bowl this year. I still don't see it as a rebuild. No? No. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can look at that offense and see, oh, that's a rebuild. It's a defense I'm more concerned about than the offense. Right, but they're bringing in guys that are ball hawks. And with with this offense, you just need a couple turnovers a game, and you're in it. Right. But how many games did we lose that we should have won last year? And you're throwing Kyle Pitts into all of this. Like, I, I just don't I don't understand the full rebuild. This is the defense has too many holes. They're, they're, it's not a good defense, with the exception of your linebacking core and Grady Jarrett. That's it. I'm predicting now the Falcons make the playoffs this year. I will take that if you were willing to to bet. I will bet you all day on that. I have zero confidence in this team as it's currently constructed to go to the playoffs, Julio Jones or no. So zero stock in all the games that we blew last year that we should have won. Yeah. And then adding an actual uh, good head coach. Well, good, good we'll offensive. See. We, we know good we'll offensive see. coordinator at yeah, least right. to the mix. Adding a possible once-in-a-generation tight end. Fine. Just all terrible. Not terrible. I just think... Worst team in the world. No. But once again, I'll keep saying the defense is not good. And um, it will... You know, we have a super young secondary. We have a bad defensive line. We have a solid linebacking core. We have Grady Jarrett. It's it's way too inconsistent to be a good defense. And yes, Dean Pease will bring more blitzing. Thank God. But, you know, there's just... I just look at the roster. I just don't. I don't think it has the the, the chance of being a, a real contender from a defensive standpoint. The offense, yeah, especially with the uh, evolution of of Caleb McGarry and Winstrom. I think the off off the line looks solid. I think overall, we know Matt Ryan is still a very good quarterback. I like Mike Davis. I don't think he's like the end all be all running back, but he's he's a solid solid back. Calvin Pitts, um, Hurst. It's, that's a good offense. It's a ridiculous it's solid offense. offense. Yeah, playoffs, Graham. Okay. You willing to put $5 on that? Sure. All right. <laughs> this will counter our, uh, what was our other $5 bet? We see if we forget yeah, that. Okay. Don't forget that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is Luke Jackson going to be off the roster by July? I think I'm going to lose that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you for the reminder. Yeah, no problem. I look forward to my $5. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's no chance in hell he's going to boot it off. No. Um, definitely lost that one. So, yeah, um, we don't know what's going to happen to Julio. It's what, what are your feelings on him saying that on Undisputed, though? You think he showed his ass there, or are you like sort of indifferent? Or... I still don't think he knew he was on air. You gotta think if uh, Shannon Sharp calls you at whatever it was nine o'clock that you get that you're probably on air. But like Julio has never done anything publicly like that before. No. Like why would he just all of a sudden do that? True, it is. And like it is odd. Shannon Sharp's his buddy, right? And like, and then Fox Sports had to like do a bunch of like backpedaling the next day. Oh, did they? I didn't yeah. fucking do it. Yeah, no, like I don't think he knew he was on oh, air. Oh, maybe. I don't know, man. It, it, just because you want to be traded doesn't mean you're going to be traded. That's true. And we've we've seen that with plenty of people over the years across multiple sports. Um, I definitely, if this is the end of the Julio Jones era, I appreciate you know him. He's definitely the Falcons' greatest all-time receiver. Like no one compares. Made one of the all-time great Super Bowl catches. Should have won us the damn thing. If it wasn't for Dan Quinn and. Shanahan's incompetence. Um, you know, that guy was constantly injured. And I know there's a lot of times he missed practices. Sometimes he wasn't on the field when we wanted him to be. But the man put up numbers. He kicked ass. He's the best Falcons receiver ever. 
still respect the hell out of that dude. And um, if this is it, I'll, I'll certainly miss him. It's a dark, dark, dark time for the Falcons franchise to have it in like this. And apparently they were saying that in 2019 or whatever, when they did those, those contract restructures, that apparently both the Falcons and Julio were very just not happy about what ended up uh, transpiring there. And I don't really blame the Falcons for being unhappy because Julio still had, like, what, two years on his yes. deal or whatever? Yeah. Julio, I think Julio showed his ass a little bit there, for sure. I don't blame anyone for trying to get money and shit, but you're still under contract, dude. Um, and he, it's not like it was one year left. It was like you saw two two or three more years left on your deal. It might have been three years for Christ's sake. He to be the highest paid receiver. Right, and he was a great receiver. Don't get me wrong. It's just like it showed a very me-first attitude, which normally isn't how Julio is. Or at least isn't, that's how we perceive him not to be. It's always, you know, he's always been very team-oriented guy, it seems like. I mean, if, if our team is better in the future for trading him, let's do it. Yeah. But, I mean, I also don't want to trade the best receiver in the league. Sure, sure. Which is totally right. understandable. Rather have him on our team. Yeah. Well, this episode started really high spirited and turned into uh, arguably one of the more depressing episodes of Atlanta's own in quite were, some time. I think you were close to crying talking I about was. Freddie I was getting emotional. <laughs> I love Freddie. And that does blind my, uh, I will admit, that does blind my, you know, when I do have criticisms of him for sure. Yeah. But at least you can recognize it. Sure. And yeah, I guess that wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. And let's get excited about the Hawks. Hawks game on Sunday. Yep, good things are happening. ABC. Good things are happening. So until next time, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality.